Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 753 for the 23rd of July, 2021. This week in June, Microsoft announced that Windows 11 is on the way, and the first preview is out right now for those in the Windows Insider Dev channel. Not all computers that can run Windows 10 will be able to run Windows 11, though. So let's take a look. In short circuits, 4G cellular systems became the dominant technology in just a few years, and it looks like the adoption of 5G will be even faster. Should software developers wait until the code is perfect before releasing operating systems or applications? The short answer is no. In spare parts, only on the website, an executive order from the president aims to make it easier for consumers to get faulty devices repaired to re-establish net neutrality and to address several other consumer issues. If you feel like your company is demanding that you do more in less time, you are not alone. And 20 years ago, online grocer Webvan had just announced that it had laid off its remaining 2,000 employees, shut down, and would file for bankruptcy. Nobody wanted to buy groceries online back then. What a difference 20 years and a pandemic made. It's been several weeks since Microsoft announced that Windows 11 will be available later this year. That could be the 24th of July, the day after this edition of TechBiter Worldwide Posts, or it could be the 31st of December. Neither of those is very likely, but I'd be surprised if the rollout doesn't happen in time for Windows 11 computers to be on store shelves in time for the Christmas shopping season. But didn't Microsoft say, after skipping Windows 9 and going directly to Windows 10, that Windows 10 would be the last version of Windows? In fact, they did. Microsoft said that in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020. Now they're really excited to tell us about Windows 11. You may recall an echo from Microsoft's past. OS 2 is the future of personal computers. That's what Microsoft and IBM were saying in 1985, 1986, 1987, 1988, 1989, 1990, and 1991. Then, in 1992, Microsoft suddenly discontinued its OS 2 partnership with IBM so it could concentrate on Windows. Intentional or not, that also all but destroyed WordPerfect. IBM continued to manufacture personal computers for a few years, but in 2004, the company exited the PC business by selling it to China's Lenovo. Now, Microsoft seems to be creating exactly the kind of problem that they attempted to eliminate by releasing Windows 10 and making updates free. The problem? Maintaining and supporting multiple versions of the operating system. Providing support for two versions is difficult for both Microsoft and users. 
Full support for Windows 10 will continue through October 2025, with support for some versions continuing through the 9th of January 2029. Windows 10 won't stop working in 2025. Support for Windows 7 ended last year, and people are still using it. Support for Windows 95 ended in 2001, but some people are still using that relic. So if you can't upgrade your Windows 10 computer to Windows 11, or you don't want to, there is no immediate problem. One big question is, will your computer run Windows 11? You can find out by visiting Microsoft's Windows 11 information website, or you can download a compatibility tester. Find the links on the TechBiter Worldwide website. I was astonished to find that my four-year-old Lenovo P50 is not compatible, despite the fact it has an Intel Xeon CPU, 64 gigabytes of RAM, and a 64-bit version of Windows 10. This computer also has the required trusted platform module version 2 and substantially exceeds all other specifications. Despite this, its Xeon E3-1505M version 5 processor is not supported for Windows 11. I was less surprised to see that a 7-year-old notebook computer would be unable to run Windows 11. A 2-year-old Surface tablet will be able to run the new operating system. The two most likely reasons that a computer won't be able to run Windows 11 is the lack of unified extensible firmware interface secure boot functionality or the lack of trusted platform module security. To see if UEFI is enabled, run MS Info 32, you may also know it as System Information, and examine the BIOS mode line. To check TPM, use the Device Manager to view the Security Devices key. If System Information reports the BIOS mode as legacy instead of UEFI, check the documentation that came with your computer to see if UEFI is available on the motherboard. If it is, you'll need to enable it in the BIOS settings. Windows 11 will not install without UEFI. If the device manager has no security devices key, or if TPM is present but less than version 2.0, Windows 11 cannot be installed. If TPM is present but the version number is too low, a firmware update might be available from the manufacturer. Don't bet on it. The video subsystem will be a problem if it doesn't support at least DirectX 12 and have a Windows Display Driver model that's version 2.0 or higher. The other basic requirements will all be met by virtually any computer manufactured in the past several years, but trying to run Windows 11 on a computer that barely meets the minimums will be, shall we say, distressing. If you're planning to buy a new computer soon, you'll want to confirm with the manufacturer that the hardware is fully compatible with Windows 11. Most manufacturers have included information on their websites about compatibility, and some have added badges to descriptions to show which models are compatible. This is important because although Microsoft will continue to support Windows 10 for a few years, the operative term is few. Anyone who keeps computers for more than three years should confirm now that a new computer will be eligible for the free upgrade. Microsoft appears to be continuing the policy that charges users only once for the operating system when they buy the computer, 
and all updates are then included for that computer for as long as it's in service. If you'd like to obtain Windows 11 right now, the first preview version has been released and it's available if your computer meets the hardware requirements, if you are a member of the Windows Insider program, and if you have signed up for the Dev channel. Three channels exist in the Insider program. The Dev channel is the most dangerous option. Those in that group receive the latest available builds. Microsoft warns that they contain rough edges and they might cause low stability. The beta channel is the one Microsoft recommends. Feedback from users in that channel is particularly important to Microsoft, and the builds are more stable. The release preview channel is what Microsoft recommends for commercial users who need an advanced look at features and bug fixes shortly before they're released. But you don't have to choose any of those three. You can simply opt out of the Insider program. It's not a channel, but that's where mission-critical computers should stay, out of the Insider program. If you don't participate in the Windows Insider program, your computer will receive updates only when they are distributed generally. As I mentioned, my primary computer isn't eligible for Windows 11 and it's in the release preview channel because I don't want to risk being in any of the more hazardous channels. My secondary computer is of course a no-go for Windows 11 too, but the Surface tablet is approved for Windows 11 and I've moved it to the dev channel. The update process was easy. Start by visiting the Windows Insider program in settings. Join the program if you haven't already done so. Joining does require that you have a Microsoft account. If you're already enrolled but not in the dev channel, click the name of the channel you're in, and that will take you to a screen where you can change the level. Then reboot the computer and visit the Updates section of Settings. Check for updates, and you'll be offered the Windows 11 Insider Preview. The update will be downloaded and installed. The computer will restart several times during the process, which took a little less than an hour on the tablet computer. When the process is complete, you'll see several visual differences, but if you'd like to confirm that the computer actually has been updated, visit Settings, System, About, and you'll see Windows 11 Home or Windows 11 Pro as the Windows Edition and 21H2 as the version. And I repeat this warning, don't enroll any mission-critical computer in the dev channel and probably not in the beta channel either. Curiosity is a good thing, but it's not always healthy or safe. In coming weeks, I'll have more information about Windows 11 based on my experiences with the preview. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat.
In short circuits, new generations of mobile communications systems usually roll out slowly, but the transition to 5G has been faster than usual, and the latest Ericsson Mobility Report predicts that 2026 will be the year of 5G. That's when 5G devices will outnumber 4G devices. The report says 290 million subscriptions exist currently with 5G-capable devices. That's up by 70 million in just the first quarter of 2021 and on target to hit a total of 580 million by the end of the year. By 2026, all but about 15% of mobile users will be in areas served by 5G. By then, the user base is expected to be 1 billion which is two years sooner than 4G reached 1 billion users. It won't be just phones using 5G by then. Some home and office internet users will be served by the technology. Fixed wireless access could eliminate last-mile problems, particularly in rural areas where installing cable is simply too expensive. Fixed wireless access is offered now by most service providers who have 5G. Ericsson predicts that more than 20% of total mobile network data traffic worldwide will be from those fixed wireless access applications by 2026. Fixed wireless offers a cost-effective way to provide Internet access compared with wired broadband service, and it could be used for Internet of Things devices. Broadband connections for IoT devices will allow widespread adoption of such devices as cloud-based augmented reality and virtual reality, remote control devices, cloud-based gaming, robotics, and real-time control of machines and processes. So far, more than 160 communications service providers have launched 5G services, and over 300 5G smartphone models have been announced or launched commercially. Before the end of this year, we will have surpassed half a billion 5G users in the world. Ericsson says 5G commercialization in North America is moving fast. Service providers have launched commercial 5G services with a focus on mobile broadband and fixed wireless access, their report says. The introduction of 5G smartphones supporting all three spectrum bands has already made 2021 an eventful year for early 5G adopters. The report notes that fixed wireless access will play a key role in closing the digital divide where the pandemic has exposed large gaps for education, remote working, and small businesses. By 2026, more than 360 million 5G subscriptions are anticipated in North America, accounting for 84% of mobile subscriptions. If you'd like to read the full report, you can download it from the Ericsson website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website www.techbiter.com Occasionally I hear or read comments that Microsoft shouldn't release any operating system or application until it is perfect. Here's a reality check. That's not going to happen. So if you've decided to wait for Windows 11 to be free of bugs before installing it, you are going to have a very long wait. A good friend and client used to denigrate 99% accuracy in his presentations to clients. At 99% accuracy, he would say, 25 airplanes would crash at O'Hare Airport every day. 
Now, as impressive as that fact was, and as useful as it was to get people to think about his message, it was a pretty good example of processed food emitted from the south end of a northbound male cow. There are all kinds of errors, and not all errors end in disaster. In 2000, when my friend was making those statements, O'Hare Airport had approximately 908,000 departures and arrivals annually. That includes all airlines, general aviation, air taxi services, and military. So about 2,490 operations per day on average, a little over 100 per hour. Now there's a very good chance that some of those operations, probably more than 25 a day, had some problem during takeoff, landing, or moving around the airport. But there were no crashes. So there is a big difference between error and disaster. How perfect are you? How perfect am I? If I drive to a supermarket that's a little over four miles from where I live, there is an excellent chance that I will observe several motorists making errors. It's also somewhat likely that I'll make an error. Few of those errors will result in a collision, though. So how does that relate to operating systems or software in general? Well, any software developer who waits for perfection will never release any product. We humans make mistakes. Each week's TechBiter Worldwide has about 500 lines of code, and some of those lines have errors. The errors may be something as simple as a typo that slips through, those are pretty common, to a bad link, eh, those are rare, or an error in HTML, CSS, or PHP code. Typos make me look silly, but really cause no harm. Bad links are annoying to site users. HTML, CSS, and PHP coding errors might cause problems, or they might be invisible. So compare my 500 lines of code to Microsoft's 50 million lines of code for Windows, or Google's 2 billion lines of code, or even Facebook's 60 million lines of code. Errors are present, and there's no way to eliminate them all because fixing one error sometimes causes another error, or makes a previously invisible error visible. The problem of coding errors for Microsoft is exacerbated by several additional facts. Anybody can build a computer that runs Windows using high-quality or low-quality parts. Low-quality parts cause problems. Users can modify critical parts of the operating system, such as the registry, a user can make the system unbootable. Users can run applications that have been created by people with varying levels of ability. Drivers for internal and external components might create unforeseen conflicts with the operating system. So in short, there is no way for Microsoft to test every possible combination of hardware, software, and user modifications. Apple has a somewhat easier job because the hardware is largely under Apple's control, although not as much as it used to be. Estimates and guesses suggest the total number of lines for the Mac OS is greater than the number for Windows. Having used both Windows and Mac OS computers, my experience has been that Windows systems crash more frequently than Mac OS systems, but that Mac OS crashes tend to be more serious than Windows crashes your experience may differ. Examine the Windows Event Viewer and you'll find errors. Hundreds of events are reported to the system every day. Many are information events that require no action. 
Lower numbers of events are posted as warning, error, or critical. Warning usually means the system recognized an error and corrected it. Warnings often deal with processes that have been terminated. Critical events are the most serious. And in addition to issues listed in the event viewer, the operating system deals with and corrects perhaps thousands of other events during the day. Problems with data in system memory or on disk drives are good examples. Users remain blissfully unaware of problems that are encountered and corrected automatically. So the moral of this little story is simple. Don't wait for perfection. If you do, you'll never do anything at all. I can't wait until the spare parts segment is perfect. So just visit the TechBiter Worldwide website and you'll find these articles this week. An executive order from the president aims to make it easier for consumers to get faulty devices repaired, to reestablish net neutrality, and to address several other consumer issues. If you feel like your company is demanding that you do more in less time, you're not alone. And 20 years ago, online grocer Webvan had just announced that it had laid off its remaining 2,000 employees, shut down, and would file for bankruptcy. Nobody wanted to buy groceries online back then. What a difference 20 years and a pandemic have made. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.